Today's scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. This is the word of God. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to worship. My name is Andrew. Man, when I'm standing here preaching, it brings me back many memories because it's such a great honor. You know, Every time I'm here, it brings me memories to the first time I walked through the door. When I first came to Metro, I, I don't know if I could call myself a Christian. You know, I, don't, I was pretty lost. I was broken. You know, today is Father's Day. Uh, my father passed away about many years ago, but because of that, I was broken and I was lost. But thank God for Metro, because Metro has pointed me to the cross Metro says, I know you're lost, but in Christ, you are found. I know you're broken, but in Christ, there could be restoration. Now, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, like what does it mean to be found or restored, come through. You know, we want you to be here, walk with you, talk about it. Uh, My hope is that Metro could be a place where you could bring your doubts, where you could bring your struggles, uh, walk together. And my greatest prayer and hope is that you will meet Jesus in our context. Now, we're in a sermon series called Pastoral Prayer. Uh, we, we came together. We want to give you our favorite passage because we want to share with you our favorite passage and the message that we've been blessed with. So what I picked for today was look for the temptation of Christ. So let's dig right in. Verse 1, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert. Now, to give you guys a little context before we go into the points, in Luke 3, Jesus was baptized by the John the Baptist. And as soon as he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came down like a dove. God the Father said, with you, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. As soon as that happened, verse 1 says, Jesus, who was filled with the Holy Spirit, was led in to a desert. And I think this should 
kind of, we, could be, we were able to relate with this because if you were like me, past few years, maybe even before, maybe even now, you were, you, maybe you feel like you're in a desert. Like, have you ever felt like you were lost? Have you ever felt like, you know, you wake up, when you wake up in the morning, there's a lack of purpose, lack of sense of meaning? Or when you're, maybe your days are so tough, when your head hits the pillow, maybe you're wondering, geez, is, are my days going to look like this for the rest of my life? If you could relate with any of that, you're in a wilderness. You're in a spiritual wilderness. Now, I want to highlight one more thing before we go in, and that's verse 2. Verse 2 says, for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. So Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, was in a desert, tempted by the devil for 40 days. Now, devil's real. Some of you guys are like, well, duh. Some of you guys are like, eh, okay, I guess. But it's important to get a biblical understanding of the devil and how he works. Because let's say that you overemphasize his existence. He loves that because you're giving him power. If you undermine his existence, he loves that too because he loves working in the shadow. The devil is attacking you. He's the enemy. He attacks you when you're vulnerable. So it's important the way, uh, to understand the way he attacks and the way he, he works. And he's been doing it for centuries. So one more thing before we go in. That number 40 is very important. Without a doubt, when you see the number 40 in the Bible, it's going back to the Israelites when they were lost in the desert for 40 years. If you're not familiar with the story of the second book of the Bible, Exodus, God, through Moses, rescues his people, the Israelites, from Pharaoh and the Egyptians. The Pharaoh and the Egyptians kept the Israelites in slavery. So what God did was, through Moses, rescue the Israelites. But after that, the Israelites, rather than being thankful, they grumbled. They complained. And God said, you're going to be... You're not going to get into the promised land. You're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. The devil's name is not mentioned in the Old Testament as much, but without a doubt, he was present. Because behind every bad decision and every doubt against God, he's always at work. As he's tempting Jesus in our passage, he's definitely at work with us today. So it's important for us to really know how he works. I got three points for us today. Three simple points. The lie... The lie that the devil speaks, the truth in the way that Jesus uh, combats the lie, and the hope that we have in him. The lie, the truth, and the hope. First point, the lie. When you look at the devil's lies, he, in our passage it says he tempts us in three different ways. First way is in verse 3. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. One commentator said, this is a temptation to satisfy his own present hunger, and use his close relationship to God to meet his own needs. So think about it. So Jesus was fasting, meaning he wasn't eating anything, drinking anything for 40 days and 40 nights. The devil appears and says, look, you have the power to change the stone to bread. Do it. You have needs right now. Satisfy your heart, your soul right now. And so the temptation for Jesus was satisfy your own needs because you need it. And for us, it's the same thing. So what satisfies your soul? What satisfies your heart? One way to find out is by answering this question. When you're in your room, when you're in your car by yourself, 
What occupies your mind? What goes through your head? Do you think about love? The devil is saying, fill your void with significant other. Do you think about pleasure? The devil's voice is saying, fill your void with sex, games, and Netflix. Do you think about wealth? The devil's voice is saying, fill your void with nice things. Whatever you're hungry for, the devil is saying, indulge in it. You're going to be filled. Temptation number two. Verses 5 through 7, basically, the devil takes Jesus to a, like a high place, and he shows this great view. He shows this great view, this splendor, this awesome like, place. He's like, dude, worship me and worship the things of this earth in me, and I'm going to give you glory. Worship stands from the word worth-ship. So, friends, what is worth your time? Your career. What is worth your effort? Your marriage and your family. What is worth your money? Not offering. (laughs) The devil is tempting you in different ways. Whatever you find worth in this world and in him, what he represents, take it. You will have glory. You're going to live like kings and queens. Temptation number three. Verses 9 through 11, uh, the devil takes Jesus to a temple now. He tells, uh, takes Jesus to a temple. Jump. The scripture says God's going to protect you. So scripture says he's going to send the angels. He's going to catch you. So go ahead. Do it. Man, Jesus, you are good. God's got to take care of you. So the temptation that the devil speaks to, to Jesus and to us is really this. Is God going to keep his word? So for some of you guys, it's going gonna, it's gonna to sound like this. Man, you are doing such a good work at church. You serve. You help out a lot. Praise team, you guys sound great. You know what I mean? God's going to take care of you. Nothing bad's going to happen. Or some of you guys, you guys are like, man, God does care about me. So he should, he should want what I want. So free from consequences, I'm just going to jump into risks. I'm just going to do what I want. God's going to protect me. So these are the lies. These are the different ways that he tempts us. But wait, wait. If you're like me, you're probably wondering, why are these bad things? What's wrong with Netflix? What's wrong with, you know, spending time with my family and, my, and working on my marriage? Uh, what's wrong with my career? So before we get into that, how do we know this is a lie? In order for you to know what a lie is, you need to examine it with truth. So let's go to point number two, the truth. Now, when you examine the way that Jesus, he combats the lie with scripture, you learn three lessons. So three points within a three-point, you know. So the first lesson in our second point is the devil only tells you half the truth. Genesis 3 is where the devil comes to Adam and Eve. So God created the whole creation, um, whole world in Genesis 1 and 2. And in Genesis 1 and 2, God comes to Adam and Eve. He said, you could have all these things except for this one fruit from this one tree uh, in the garden, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He doesn't really explain why. He just says, don't do it. Okay? Because when you do, you're going to die. Now, the serpent or the devil comes to Adam and Eve and he says, you're not going to die. Come. Take it. 
In fact, your eyes are going to open up, and what's going to happen? You're going to be like God. So Adam and Eve, they take the fruit, and truth be told, they don't die immediately. And when they take uh, from the fruit, their eyes do open, but shame gets introduced, and death becomes inevitable. The devil tells you what you might gain, but not what you might lose. So let's go through each one. Verse 4, Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live by bread alone. The problem with, uh, you know, the temptation is the bread of the world does fill you up. You know, think about it. Your relationship, they fill your emotional needs. Your beauty and your friends, they will fill your mental needs. The food that you eat and when you veg out, it will, it will satisfy your physical needs. But it will not satisfy your spiritual needs. You see, you need scripture. You need the word of God that points to the God who fills you completely. Because scripture tells us you have a God-sized hole. You have a God-sized hole. You can't fill it up with other things in the world. Right? The more you take it, the more thirsty and more hungry you're going to get. It's like drinking salt water. Just because you drink a lot, it doesn't mean you're satisfied. You're going to be more thirsty. Verse 8, Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The second temptation was reject God, take glory, worship the things of this earth. Again, the problem is you do have glory when you advance in your career. Let's say that you kill it in your project or your business is going well. It's successful. Man, there's glory. Your family, when they're doing well, your kids, when they get a good grade, there's glory. When you make it in life, whatever that means, right? For me, is graduating from my grad school. But let's say that you make it in life. Society teaches you that you have proven to the world, to your teachers, to your friends, your spouse, your children, that you're awesome. Glory. Yet, Scripture teaches us the things of this earth is where moth and rust destroy, where thieves come and steal, meaning... The glory you have today, there's no assurance that you'll have it tomorrow. So when you lose it, shame. Verse 12, Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So the third temptation was, excuse me, jump. God's going to protect you. There will be security. Again, I mean, if you guys see the pattern here, that's half truth. There is a security when you do good things. Man, you feel like you earned your way to the table, no? Man, I did good things, so God owes me. That's what we think. God's going to take care of me. And if God really loves me and cares about me, he's going to give me what I want. What happens when he doesn't? What happens when bad things happen? When your relationship turns sour, you start blaming God. God, what? I prayed. Why aren't you listening? I'm the only one. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I, that's what I think sometimes. I mean, I shouldn't admit that, but I, that's what I, that goes through my heart. You know, I, God, I, I thought, you know, if I followed you, there'll be greater fulfillment. If God, you said, the Bible says, under your wing, there'll be shelter. Why do I feel like I'm in a desert? Some of you guys may think, man, if I followed him and worshiped him, I thought my life would be good. But what? What's the point of following him if I can't have what satisfies me? 
what gives me glory or if I can't have any security. The second lesson that we learn from the truth is the one that comes back to really the three temptations of the devil comes down to one lie. God doesn't want or know what is best for you. Going back to Genesis 3, when the devil came to Adam and Eve and he tempted them, the one question, it was very simple, that he asked was really, did God really say that? In a sense, what he's asking is, are you sure? Are you sure God has you in his best interest? Are you sure he knows what you need more than you? Nah, he's just, he's just trying to restrict you and control you. You do you. Ironically, when things go wrong and you do reject him and you do whatever you do, you start blaming God. Friends, let me ask you this question. Let's pause a little bit. When there's extreme pressure in your life, when things go wrong, how do you react? What comes out of your mouth? If you're like me, I'm, like, I'm a lot like the Israelites. I complain. I grumble. I blame God. You owe me. But not Jesus. When there was extreme pressure in his life, what came out of his mouth was scripture. And whatever way you react, the Bible teaches us it comes from the heart. So, that leads us to our third lesson. The third lesson is this. The issues of our life, they're not in our circumstances. It's not even in the temptation. It's our heart. Like, Adam and Eve, they were tempted and they fell short in the garden. It's a completely opposite context of a desert. They were in a garden. So, circumstantially, everything went well for them. Everything was going well, but yet still they failed. Jesus in the desert, hungry for 40 days and 40 nights, he succeeded. See, the devil, he doesn't just make things out of thin air. All right? He doesn't just put temptations in your heart and you just obey. Right? It's like mind control. No, no, he works with what's already in your heart. He knows how to you know, make the right tunes. He knows exactly what to say to make you click. Because in your heart, you already want to listen to the voice of the devil more than God because the devil is saying, you do you. Therefore, we can't blame our reactions, thought, decisions, and outcome on our circumstances, COVID, our past upbringing, or even the devil because you want to listen to him, and you do. See, going back to the question, why are these bad things? They're not. They're good things. The devil uses the good things in life to forsake the one who is good. Going after these things are not bad, but when they become ultimate things, it replaces God. God must be priority. So, friends, we're stuck here. I mean, we're stuck. Because our heart naturally wants to listen to the devil. Our heart listens to the devil's voice, and when, you, when we do... He leads us deeper and deeper into a desert, into a wilderness. So we need somebody to come and rescue us. I mean, imagine a desert. Imagine being stuck in a desert. You look right, you look left, you look front and back. It looks the same. 
How do you know the way? You need the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ, come and save us. Third and last point, our hope, our living hope. Read verse 13 with me. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. An opportune time. Now, I used to read this passage, and I used to like kind of skip over it. It's like, okay, whatever. He's going to come back. But it's so good. Man, I can't believe I've skipped over it. It's so, it's so good. So the devil comes back. He tries everything. He fails, and he's like, all right, I'm going to come back. When you read through the Gospel of Luke, you don't really see the devil coming back. I mean, the devil's mentioned in Luke 8 by Jesus and Luke 10, but not really where he comes back to tempt Jesus. When's the opportune time? See, I was going through the whole book of the Bible. I mean, sorry, the Luke, Gospel of Luke. Not there yet, you know. You know, I was going through the Gospel of Luke, and I couldn't really find anything until I saw it. Until I saw a parallel. It's too good to ignore. In Luke chapter 23, his name is not in it, but he's definitely present. Because when Jesus is on the cross, the devil uses three different groups to tempt Jesus when he is in the ultimate desert, in the ultimate wilderness. Allow me to explain. Luke chapter 23, verse 35, it says, The rulers, or the, Jew, the Jews, the highest level of Israel's authority, says, Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. Verse 37, the Roman soldier said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Verse 39, the guilty criminal that was getting crucified with God says, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. The devil is bring, using these three groups to tempt Jesus when he's the most vulnerable. Indeed, is an opportune time. Jesus, the devil saying, come on, man. Look at this group over here. They're the Jews. They're supposed to follow you. Some actually did, but now look at them. They betray you. You really going to die for them? Look at this group over here, the Roman soldiers. You're king. They should be subject to you. You really going to die for them? Look at the criminal that's being crucified. He deserves to die. He deserves to be here. You really going to give up everything? I mean, Jesus, I know what satisfies you. is your relationship with God. I know what gives you glory. I mean, you're, you are glory. You have ultimate security. You're really going to give up everything for these people that don't even want you? Friends, where do you fall under? When do you fall short? Do you sometimes reject God because things get bad? Do you sometimes have a hard time, right? And you just want to do your own thing, live my own life? Or do you feel guilty and feel like, God, I'm too far gone. God can't possibly love me or save me. When Jesus was on the cross and he was in his most vulnerable state, what came out was his love for you. Because when the devil asked all these questions, Jesus didn't respond verbally, but he did on the cross because he stayed there. He stayed there. Great, the greatest temptation wasn't when he was in the desert. It was the cross because, you see, the devil was trying to get Jesus away from the cross. He says, Jesus, you could have satisfaction, glory, security without suffering. Don't go, man. Man, I know when you go to the cross, you're going to satisfy God's wrath. 
I know when you go to the cross, you're going to give God all the glory. I know when you go to the cross, you're going to lose your security so that you could bring your people into your kingdom. Send an invitation. Safe. And because of that, the greatest test and temptation for Christ was not only going to the cross, but staying there. Because on the cross, Jesus said, I thirst. He was going through a cosmic drought. On the cross, Jesus was in shame when they stripped him naked and pierced him for our sin and transgressions. On the cross, Jesus lost all security and he cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because the Trinity was torn apart and he has lost, he has lost all access. Friends, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. He emptied himself so that you and I might be filled with the Holy Spirit was a spring of living water that satisfied our soul. There's your satisfaction. There's your fulfillment. Jesus, who was king, became a servant. He said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. He went down so that we may go up as adopted sons and daughters. There's your status, your glory. Jesus had all the security in the world, yet he gave that up. He gave it up. So that you and I could have a seat in the table and the full assurance of knowing that God will always be for you even when things are tough. There's our hope, our safety. Friends, now, now that you have known the lengths that God will go, you could trust him. I mean, think about it. God has given you his most precious treasure in heaven. His son. Heaven has nothing more to give you. You could trust him. And this is a great comfort. The more you examine the cross, the more I find liberation. Because if you're like me, you've been lost for a very long time. If you're like me, you've been feeling like you fell short. Maybe you play the comparison game. Like, oh, man, I'm not as far off as my friends, my family members. I should be here, but I'm here. Maybe some of you guys have insecurities, brokenness. You feel isolated. Will you look at the cross? God's trying to say something to you. God is trying to tell you something. Jesus He redeemed Adam and Eve when they filled in the garden. Jesus, he redeemed and saved people, um, the Israelites, when they were wandering in the desert and failing God, falling short for 40 years. Jesus even redeemed the people that that betrayed him, that mocked him, right, that disowned him, that, that, you know, that doesn't even believe in him. He redeemed them. Surely, surely, surely he'll redeem you in your fall, or your shortcomings, and your failures, when you're in doubt, when you feel lost and thirsty. So um, I have one last thing, and I just want to get out of your way. My prayer and my hope is that you'll listen to God's voice, not the devil's. Man, my man leaves you astray. He, he makes you more thirsty. Shame. All right? He makes you betray God, but God 
When you look at the cross, and because of what Jesus has done on the cross, when God looks at you and he's in front of you, he'll say the same thing he'll say to Jesus. You know what that is? You are my beloved. With you, I am well pleased with. Let's pray.